Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, thank you for the introduction there. U.S. Open week. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year, guys. Of course, it's September. It's later because of COVID and the changes. But here we are, Wingfoot Golf Club. What are you guys expecting for the U.S. Open? I mean, this is one of the best events that we always look forward to. For me, I threw a name out there on, on Twitter this week. I said Ricky Fowler. I threw that name out because, you know what? Not many people are really talking about him. He's not a heavy favorite this week when you look at the betting and the and the fantasy lineup. So I, I just think a week like this is what Ricky needs. If he is going to win his major, and I think he will win a major, it's going to be, I think, a week where he's not really expected to be the big heavy hitter, the big favorite that week. And I think because he hasn't been playing super well, I understand that, right? I think that can almost be an advantage here. Yes, he missed the cut in the last major, but you know what? It was because he had a penalty because uh, he tried to uh, whiff at a putt and, and he ended up getting a stroke and that was enough to, to have him miss the cut by one shot in San Francisco. It's not like he's playing horribly. Look what he did at WGC FedEx. He went into that two behind the lead in the final round and yes, he shot five over par. I understand he struggled. He's going through some swing changes. I understand that. But he's been in the hunt somewhat recently. So let's give Ricky a chance here. I think being slightly under the radar in this case is going to help. And I think it helped guys like Sergio Garcia. I know that he was ranked pretty highly going into the Masters when he won in 2017. But he hadn't consistently been winning. And specifically in 07, going into the Open Championship, he was able to get into a playoff. The best ever finish for him in a major at that point. And he hadn't won in two plus years. Ricky Fowler hasn't won in about one and a half, a little over one and a half years, remember, at Phoenix. So listen, I'm making some comparisons here. I know that it's not all apples to apples, but still... It, I think what we see was what we saw with Sergio is that a, a major list star when he goes into a major and he's not really one of the top five, top seven players, that can be an advantage. And I think that'll help Ricky this week. I'm really looking forward to the Open. What will Phil do? Of course, uh, there's just so many stories there. Of course, I was happy to have Timmy Timmy Mickelson his his brother Tim Mickelson on. Uh, a couple weeks back, and he would love for his brother to, of course, complete the career Grand Slam. Wouldn't any of us, if we're a golf fan, if you're breathing and you like golf, I think it's fair to say that you are excited about the chance of Phil Mickelson getting the U.S. Open and his Grand Slam, career Grand Slam finish this week. So, so much to look forward to. I hope you guys are pumped about it. Tiger Woods, so many cool videos of him on the course with, of course, those uh, zipper cargo pants. You know, Tiger, you just know what you're going to get out of him, and that's uh, one of many things. Anyway, looking forward to this week, and we have a great guest, Kara Banks. And Kara has been really in, in the golf world for many years, over a decade, and she started out, she was behind the scenes, and I, w I want to tell you guys, I met her on the 2013 West Coast Swing, and you know what she was doing? She was doing everything when it comes to camera work, video editing, interviewing players, um, 
holding the mic, running the camera, all that stuff, the lighting. She was a one-man band, and I love to see. When we see her on Golf Channel now, we see her with Brandel Chambly hosting live from, hosting Golf Central at the major championships, at the Ryder Cup. But you know what? She is a hard worker, and it's come from just hours and hours of putting in the time. And as I said, I'd seen her on the West Coast. She was, of course, at Bay Hill many years before she actually got on with the Golf Channel. So she's really put it in her time, I think. It's an impressive story. And and Cara, of course, um, young family now. She's got a son, Jesse, and, of course, her husband, Ollie Banks. And, and they're just a great great family. You're really going to enjoy getting to know her more. That's really what this is about. Understanding Kara Banks, what makes her tick, and, and there's so many cool uh, stories with her. So without further ado, we're going to get to it. Kara Banks from the Golf Channel, and enjoy the week here at the U.S. Open. Well, joining me here is my next guest. Proud to have Kara Banks. As you know, you've seen her on Golf Channel. She's hosting Golf Central and so many different platforms for Golf Channel. Kara, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm, I'm here in New York getting ready to cover the U.S. Open. Um, casual, as you can see, in my hotel room. Um, and just, yeah, it's the, the new way of the world, isn't it? I've just done my COVID test. I hope that the results come back negative. And from tomorrow, I will have access to the golf course. But it's not like the old days when we just used to, to land and, and head straight to the golf course and, and suss things out. You have to take a little bit more time now. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned U.S. Open. We'll get to that. And also, speaking of getting to the golf course, I remember meeting you on the West Coast Swing in 2013. You were at all those big stops at Pebble Beach, of course, with Dustin Johnson and all those big names. In On my coast, I'm from California, so it was great to see you and, and other people. Justin, of course, your videographer, your producer was there as well. Um, I wanted to ask you about kind of those days, you know, going back before Golf Channel, looking at your pro career progression, you started off kind of behind the scenes in production. What were you thinking when you started off? Like, was it, did you have a goal in mind to get to where you are now? Or what was the thought process? Yeah, it's an interesting story. I knew I wanted to, to, to be on TV or to be a, a host. I knew that was what I wanted to do. I just took a, a kind of a different route to get there or route as I would say um, and to begin with I actually um, in the very early days was in entertainment um, and I was you know a runner on, on Saturday night chat shows and things in England and then I realized that that right world for me and um, so fortunately I've grown up like in a sports family and with a sporting background my dad's a golfer my mum's a skier um, I'd covered and grown up next to Wimbledon for years. So um, sport was kind of the obvious choice. Um, but I knew that it was very hard to, you couldn't, you know, it was almost like trying to act, right? You know, trying to host or, or, or present. You can't really just walk into that kind of a job. And I think I felt like I was a bit of, at a bit of a crossroads in terms of, do I go kind of the stage school route and do present a host school and try and clip together showreels? Or do I actually just try and learn the business? And that's what I did is I, is, I, is I decided to learn the business. And I was really lucky that I um, was able to get a job at IMG, you know, just entry level. I started as a production secretary and I just learned um, everything. You know, I went from there to being a, uh, the, I was the personal assistant for managing director of European tour productions for two years, just so that I could learn golf. And I would then spend my weekends working overtime on the European Challenge Tour and Senior Tour circuits, logging golf shots, stood next to a cameraman on, you know, the sixth green in Wales or whatever, whatever it was, 
thinking, what am I doing? All my friends are out in London at the weekend. But it taught me TV, basically, and it taught me how production works. And that was all non-live. And I used to then sit with the producer and learn how he cuts together a highlights program. And um, and then Golfing World was launched. And um, I, to begin with, I wasn't even a, a host on that. Before I had the luxury of a Justin with me, which, by the way, I can't believe it was seven years ago that we first met. But I would travel on my own as a predator, we were called, you know, a producer, editor, editor, yeah. have my own, um, my kit, a little F5 camera, and I'd have my Apple Mac Final Cut Pro, and I would interview the players and cut four-minute features and send them back to go in the program. And it just so happened that the program then decided to be presenter-led, and um, fortunately, I'd had some experience. And, and so then I would travel to tournaments with... Um, Justin or whoever it may be he was kind of the predator who who I got to work with a lot in the states particularly and it was just a very beneficial way of um learning the industry I think because I have experienced you know trying to produce segments trying to edit segments writing scripts and everything so now I have an understanding of how the whole team around us works Yes. And I think that's great that you have that understanding. I'm lucky to have been behind the scenes. I do a lot of video editing in the trucks during the Masters or during the PGA Championship. So I feel like there's a lot more empathy we have towards the rest of the crew. You know what I mean? When you understand what they're going through, their positions, the deadlines they're under, the pressures they're under. Do you find that at Golf Channel now that with with some of the producers you work with, some of the behind the scenes people, does that help you in, in that sense? 100% but I will say there's also a massive difference between non-live and live programming obviously Um, and everything I did on Golfing World was non-live which obviously was there's there's still time pressure for submitting the features and, and, and when the final program needs to go to air but it's a very different way of production so I did do some live production particularly at Wimbledon Tennis and we would do these um this digital content at the open but in terms of knowing like in a live truck what the EVS does and submix and graphics, and you know, I've never really understood that as much as I could have done. Um, but nevertheless, I still understand um, a producer's brain and, and what goes into trying to put a show together. Um, and sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm not the producer. <laughs> and, you, know, you have to take a step back and do what you're told, rightly so. Or, you know, we have production meetings and you all come together with your own opinions. But it definitely helps to to have at least some understanding, I suppose, of, of the industry and, and, and the way just a, the, any production works. Definitely. I have to ask you, I, I think of moments in my career when I knew I, I have to be in golf full time. What do I have to do? I was at the US Open 2010 at Pebble Beach and I remember being, being in the media center looking around at the people, John Feinstein, all the great people in, in, in that media center realizing this is where I have to be for the rest of my life. However, I got to do it. Was there a moment for you? Was there an open championship you went to as a kid? Was there a Wimbledon or, or, or some event as a youngster that really ingrained in you that you had to be out here? That's a great question. Um, as I said, I originally thought I wanted to do entertainment because there was this woman, I often spoke about her, she's called Davina McCall and she's a TV host, entertainment host in the UK and I loved her style because she was just very down to earth. I felt like watching her shows, she was talking to me directly and that's a style I kind of have tried to implement but I soon realized that I wanted to work in sports because I, I liked the history in sports, I liked kind of the statistical I suppose, backdrop you have or the spine that you can work off with data um, rather than more 
fluffy entertainment, I suppose, if you want to call it that. So I knew I was wanting to work in sport. And then I think I knew, particularly being a female in a male-dominated industry, I really had to know my stuff. Um, and I, but I knew that I knew golf. You know, my dad's business um, was golf vacations in America, funnily enough. So we spent a lot of our childhood traveling over here to nice golf resorts to tie, tie in his business. And then we'd go off on a family trip. Um, I have godparents that live over here. So America always felt very uh, comfortable for me. And then my cousin's a PGA professional. I kind of grew up walking around watching them play tournaments. So I knew that I knew the game, which would really help me. Um, so I don't think that there was a professional event that I was at that made me feel like that. I think I just loved covering a sport that I knew I knew well and I understood and I could do a good job at, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously your passion for the sport comes out so well. I think about your interviewing style and, and, and where that comes from. And, I, and I've seen you at, of course, Adam Scott won the 2013 Masters. To me, one of the great Masters we've seen. What a great guy to win it. You had the exclusive interview with him. His very next start was at the Players' Championship. You were on the 18th hole when you did your classic Cara walk and talk with him, with the champion. Like it was nothing. It was so natural for you to get that exclusive. The whole golfing world pardon the pun, was waiting to talk to him, but you got him. I, I saw you in that interview. I've seen you on Golf's channel and, and your interviews with Ricky Fowler and some of the players over the years. W where does your interview style come from? Where, where do you kind of put that together? I'll be honest. I, I just try and be myself. It's, I just don't overthink it. I just, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. They are just much more talented than we are at hitting a golf ball or whatever it might be. So I, I try not to get overawed by the situation because I learned quickly that that makes you nervous and then that comes across in your, in your interviewing style. And I'll hark back to my days covering Wimbledon and I used to do, you know, on the Saturday before Wimbledon would start, we had media day where all the big seeds would come and do um, their media interviews with all the outlets. And I would be in part of this line, but instead of doing a really serious sit down, let's talk about your chances to win Wimbledon this year, I would do this funny quiz with them about their Wimbledon history. And could they remember who their first, you know, match on center court was against and things like that. And yeah, everyone, everyone likes to have fun as well, you know, and they, I saw just the personalities come through from that experience I did year after year. And I think that's the way I've tried to, to be in any interview I do is just also do the job that the audience wants you to do. So ask the questions that the viewer or the listener wants to hear because you're, you're there for them. You're the, you're the middleman really between the, the audience and the, the talent, whoever it is, a golfer, a tennis player, whoever it is you're talking to. So I've just tried to have a conversation and keep it relaxed. And I've learned that you get better answers by doing it that way too. What, as you mentioned, Wimbledon, what was one of your favorite experiences with one of those players of higher seeds early on? Oh, Serena, without doubt. She, she was just wild. You know, she's such a massive star and she would just be laughing away with me hysterically like I was her best friend because we were joking about numbers that she couldn't remember or something. But, you know, Andy Murray would always be quite sarcastic but serious because he would want to know everything and make sure he got it right. And, um, you know, they'd all come through, Roger and Rafa and Novak, and it was an amazing experience. But it did just, you know, it taught me that A... I'm incredibly lucky to have access to these athletes and to do the job I do. Um, but, you know, to make the most of it and not waste the opportunity by being a bag of nerves because Roger Federer is coming to talk to me. 
Roger Federer is incredible, obviously, as is half of everyone we speak to from, from this side of the world. But you need to kind of realize the position you're in, I think, to do a good job at, at whatever role that you're doing that week. Certainly. Yeah. You have to understand where, what, what the audience needs from you, what they're expecting. Uh, you mentioned kind of going off the charts a little bit with these tennis players and just asking them kind of more lighthearted, funnier questions. I want to do that with you for a minute about uh, the terms. What terms here in the States? Of course, you've lived here, I'm trying to think, five years now? Yeah, nearly six. It'll be six in February. Yes. So you and Ollie Banks, of course, your husband and Jesse, uh, your son, um, you guys have lived here for quite some time. What are some of the terms? I know you've mentioned oatmeal versus porridge in the past between <laughs> England and America, but what terms really come to mind that surprise you about America? It's funny because now, as you say, we have Jesse and he's an American citizen because he was born in Florida. So he's, he's dual, obviously. We got his British citizenship as well. And he's not obviously in school yet. He's 15 months. But, you know, I, I find myself telling him both words sometimes because I, I have to appreciate the fact that he is going to grow up at the moment more American than British, he would feel. You know, don't tell my husband that, although he may well listen. <laughs> because, um, you know, it's important to us to instill all the British um, values that we feel from growing up in England in him. But we have to be um, aware of the fact that, he, you know, I'm sure he will feel differently with things like that. So, yes, porridge and oatmeal is one. I was actually watching uh, Rebecca Lowe's Instagram stories earlier today, and she's hilarious. We've never met in person, but we've always... Um, kind of be good friends digitally because she moved here about a year before I did. So an English girl moving to the States to work for, for the NBC group was, was a big support. But anyway, trainers. Is, I don't know if you follow her or if you've seen this, but it's exactly how I, how I think. So I guess you might call them sneakers, although some people call them tennis shoes. But to us, they're a pair of trainers. Um, so that's something I could never get my head around, calling it sneakers. Obviously, there's pants, trousers pavement, sidewalk. There's so many different things that um, holiday, vacation, you know, I was vacationing with, um, there we go. I just said vacationing as if that's a word that I say. Welcome. <laughs> exactly. You joined the club. On holiday with family um, a while back, you know, um, in Europe. And I had a call from someone in the States and naturally I, I said, oh, we're just on vacation. We'll be back. When will we be back? And I, but I, I will use the terms, but still with my British accent. And my sister-in-law turned around and went, oh my God, you said vacation. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I have to speak the language. I don't have to take on the accent, but it just makes things easier sometimes. Yes. Well, as we get into um, terms in America, I want to get into some listener questions on Twitter. At Token Tea Times, wanted to ask you, what's the best, worst th best or worst thing about working in golf media? And are you sad to leave Orlando? Oh, I don't honestly think there's a worse thing. And um, the best thing, and I meant to say this in, in one of our previous um, conversations, one of our previous questions we just discussed was, I, I honestly feel in golf and, and arguably the same for when I was speaking about my days in tennis, but we're blessed to work with such brilliant athletes. You know, we don't really deal with massive egos and people turning you down and you know, we're very lucky that I think the golf media have a very good relationship with uh, the, the golf professionals and everyone is as accommodating as they can be. Obviously, everyone has their life and their their career and tournament and practice and everything to to be concerned about first and foremost. And something I learned really early on, actually, in golf, um, in the golfing world days was, 
you, you can build up these relationships with players and their agents and the team around them, but you've got to know the right time to talk to them. Uh, so trying to talk to them on Thursday morning before their tea time is, is, is a no-go, as, as you well know. Tuesday and Wednesday, on the other hand, when it's practice um, days is a good time and you can catch them on the golf course walking around, which is when I would do a lot of the walk and talk. So I would say the best thing is, is honestly the access to, to the athletes and how amenable everyone generally is. Um, as long as you know to, to catch them at the right time. Um, I don't think there is a worse thing, which might be really cheesy, but I feel so lucky to do this job. I love it. I love the sport. I love the fact that, um, you know, we're under the NBC umbrella now. And to tie into the second part of that question, we're going to have this move um, to Stanford, Connecticut. And um, there's there's plenty of other sports and opportunities, obviously, that NBC cover. I've already started doing the um, skiing world couple of world cup races with them the last couple of years i'm supposed to be part of the olympic coverage cup, yeah. so that's awesome and as for the move um we're really excited about it we actually just came up a couple days early to connecticut before the u.s open to kind of take our first look around my husband had never even stepped foot in the state of connecticut before and um we were blown away we just for us you know we're from england it's new england i think it's going to feel much more familiar we're used to seasons we're used to cold weather and we just felt like it was beautiful. You know, Fairfield County is probably somewhere that we will live and whereabouts specifically. I don't know which town yet, but um, we just felt like there's not really a wrong option. So we're really excited about um, the move. We've had a great time in Orlando. We have made some really good friends, lifelong friends. Jesse's godmother is, is Florida based, but I'm sure we'll go back and uh, we won't miss the hot summers. Oh gosh, in, in in Florida, it it's it's horrible out there. Yes. Um, well, what about uh, another question at hikerman four six zero six on Twitter says, your personal favorite golf tournament to cover and your favorite golf course? Oh, well, well the, the Open, without doubt. And I know that might sound cliche because I'm from across the pond, but for me, that was the major growing up because it's the one I could go to. Um, obviously. When, I'm, when you're growing up in England, it's hard to think about coming over to a US Open or obviously the Masters or PGA Championship. But the Open to, to me is really the pinnacle. I just, it's, it feels like home. It's golf courses that I grew up on, watching more than playing. I wish I played more when I was younger, would have helped me out now. Um, but it just, yeah, it feels like home. The conditions, um, the courses and links golf courses are, are basically what is normal to me because my favorite course is, is, Royal St. Ports um, Golf Club down in Deal, which is actually right next door to Royal St. George's. So I was really excited oh. about um, the Open this year. Having missed last year, I was on maternity leave, so I didn't make it over to Port Rush, but I was thinking, well, at least it's not St. George's, um, which now we'll wait until next year for. But um, Royal St. Ports is where my family have um, spent every summer. We grew up in London, but we used to spend the summers down there on the Kent coast. And they have an open week every year that is, is kind of the weekend before Labor Day. Um, and it's a holiday weekend in England. And it's literally 10 days of open tournaments, men, women, kids, um, foursomes, match play, everything, you name it. And that really where my love of the game began because I would walk around the course and meet them at the halfway hut, my dad, my brother, my cousin, watch them all play and um, just love it, love it there. So we still try and get back there every year if we can. Um, and Lynx Golf, you know, deal is a true nine out, nine back seaside course along the coast. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's fun to play. 
Well, you mentioned playing over there in England. How's your golf game these days, Akara? Do you know, I haven't touched a club in oh, two and a half months, which is ridiculous. Um, my golf game has never been a single digit standard. Um, and my husband is incredibly patient with me. So um, it's, it's nothing special. But, and I would have thought, having lived in Florida for nearly six years, it would have been an awful lot better. Um, now, obviously, I've got a full-time job and I'm full-time mom when I'm not working. It's a little bit harder to get out. But we have, we're members of um, a great club in Orlando where we've made some, some really good friends and some girls my age that all play golf, which was a struggle in England. I didn't really have any girls my age that would play golf, which is, I think, why I would watch my dad and brother play more than I would play myself. Like I could always hit a golf ball, but I didn't really get into playing until really probably I met my husband. But yes, I'm sure that you would beat me on the golf course because I've not even broken 90 before. So there we go. Wow. Well, we got to the most important question of this entire interview. So thank you for answering that, that I would beat you in our in our one-on-one match, our Ryder oh, yeah. Cup. Ryder Cup match. Um, well, you, you mentioned there, there's so many people in this golf world that you meet. I'm sure you work with some great ones. I want to think of Damon Hack, Brandel. Um, but the show I have is called Beyond the Clubhouse, this podcast. And for me, it's about those lasting friendships we all make from golf, the friendships, the relationships, the people around the world. What are a couple that really come to your mind for Cara Robin, or excuse me, for Cara Banks? Oh, that's okay. I can answer to either. Um, wow. Uh, I, I suppose if you mean professionally, what I think is so nice about Golf Channel, and I felt this as soon as I arrived, and bearing in mind my arrival at Golf Channel was anticipated simply because we had waited all of us months for my visas to come through, which you obviously you need to move. And I was part, you know, supposed to be part of the morning drive group with Gary and Damon and Charlie. Um, and I'll never forget the first morning I walked in and Lauren Thompson stood up and embraced me pre-COVID era, obviously. Um, and I just felt such a warm sense of family. And I know that does sound like a cliche, but it just really felt like that. And I felt so welcomed, not like the outsider coming in. So I would say that, you know, particularly being in Orlando, we have, um, we've all been pretty friendly and on good terms, but then I suppose it depends like where you live. I've been living and my husband and I in College Park recently, really near where Brandle and Bailey Chambly live. They have now moved, so they've become good friends. We've hung out with them quite a bit outside of work um, and always have an interesting conversation with Brandle. And he and my husband are big um, wine guys, so that always uh, creates an entertaining dinner or two. We got a putting mat in our garage during quarantine and a net in our yard, so we regularly have people around to, to practice with us on, on those um, sorts of things. But then I think back to, you know, um, in the early days, Amanda Balionis and I worked together when At The Open Live was um, just starting out. I think the first year we did that was 2012. And then Amanda was with us from maybe 2013. You know, Amanda and Di Doherty, who works on Sky Sports, and I would share a house. The three of us girls would room for the week at the Open and we'd all be working on this digital content together. And it's kind of been really fun to see everyone's careers go in the direction that they have. And I saw Amanda and Detroit recently at the Rocket Mortgage, having not seen her in a while, just because I haven't been out on site as much. And it was just so fun to see her and catch up. And, and she's really happy in, in life on and off golf course, as it were now. Um, so I think wherever, you know, you know, from your experience, I'm sure in media centers, every time you turn up at another event or into another media center, it just kind of feels like you're back with your big work family, doesn't it? It's a great feeling. And, and there's so many people around the world, friends from France, friends from England, like you. 
Um, I did want to ask you, you mentioned Brandel, who is obviously a friend of mine and, and somebody who is such a big voice in the game. What is it like working with him at, when you're at these Golf Central on sites uh, with Brandel? Because he's, he's a very well-known person in this game, and, and I know you're, you, you guys have a great rapport on camera, but, but what is it like for you? Brilliant. He is, he is such a hard worker. He's, he works harder than anyone else, I think in our team he will sit and watch you know we'll do our pre-game coverage and then we have the tournament and then we do our post-game coverage or obviously live from the schedules are a little, a little bit different but he will be in the, in the in the tv compound in our production trailer and he will sit and watch really every shot of coverage and he you may have seen he's posted the, a photo of them occasionally he has these yellow notepads legal pads yeah which he, okay, well, that's one of these English American. <laughs> I would call it an A4 notepad. You would obviously call it a legal pad. I've never even heard of that in my five and a half years in. I just made it up. Okay, well, either way. And he will create this document that I, I would challenge anyone else to try and understand. But I think from the years that I've tried to figure this out, that he basically lists all 18 holes and then he sort of has the main players in contention and he will mark with a cross or a circle or dots what's happened on each hole, you know, up to the detail of where the tee shot went to what happened in the bunker, whatever. So he works incredibly hard and then he will be tasked with doing a breakdown. And actually, when it comes to someone like Brandel, the producers will give him ideas or say, you know, what, what breakdown do you like to do for this player? But all the content really comes from him in terms of what he's seen in this player's swing and how he wants to explain that to the viewer. So he'll get with the production assistants and ask them to cut video down the line or face on or whatever it might be, or have slow-mo or to, to prove his point to the viewer. He puts in so much work. Honestly, I, I feel incredibly safe and secure not that i don't with anyone else but next to brandle on a set you know that he's going to give you a good answer he's going to have thought out content and um it's probably going to be quite interesting oh always interesting with brandle and you mentioned being with him on the sets of major championships we have a major this week the us open one of my favorites of course i'm wearing the hat i love my national championship um maybe almost as proud as you are about your open championship almost right but I have to ask you, what, as we enter here, what are you expecting on Tiger Woods? And, and should we expect him to get to a point? What does he have to do to get to a point where he can win this championship? Well, it's, it's hard to know what Tiger we're going to see, isn't it? And, and I will preface my answer by saying, in Mike Tirico's words, I'm an anchor, not an analyst. So I'm not the expert. I'm the one like you normally that asks the questions. But I think um, from what I've I've heard, and I haven't been to the golf course yet because we have to wait um, until we can get on. But I actually um, had a conversation with Gil Hansen, Curtis Strange this morning. Obviously, Gil was involved with the uh, restoration of the golf course, uh, the West course, just a couple of years ago. And um, not only is Curtis, as we know, a two-time US Open champion, but he finished third here in 1984 when Fuzzy beat Norman in a playoff. And it's just so hard i think we all know that about winged foot right it's so hard but um early sites this week show that the rough is going to be as thick and juicy as ever and the fairways are going to be narrow so um when it comes to tiger he's got to find the fairway uh, he's got to have his game off the tee and from what i've heard early early on on sunday afternoon was he was struggling with that on the back nine but that's you know days before he's gonna turn up playing so uh the short answer is i, I don't know uh, all i've understood is that 
you likely need to be accurate off the tee to have success here. But then again, Gil told me earlier this morning that your short game is going to arguably be the most important part of your game because you are going to miss greens. They're really slopey greens. They run from back to front. You need to be able to get up and down. So um, you, you got to, your game's got to be singing and dancing and we will see what, what Tiger we have on Thursday. No doubt we'd love him to play well, wouldn't we all? Love him to be in the hunt for another major championship. Um, so that's all we can hope for, I suppose, is a, is a healthy Tiger who's ready to compete. Yes. Well, speaking of game singing and dancing, we saw a flash of that with Rory in his first round as a new dad. What a cool thing for Rory. You've, you've gotten to know him over these years, of course, behind the scenes and, and your work with Golfing World before you were with Golf Channel. So you know him really well. What do you think this would mean to him? I mean, what do you expect from him this week with the U.S. Open here? Well, it's just so cool, isn't it? Now you're a parent, I'm a parent. I can now relate to all the feels, you know, it's hard to understand parenthood, I think, until you have a child of your own, which we have been lucky to. And to see, you know, Rory go through, I'd known quietly for a while that, that him and Erica were expecting a baby, but it wasn't obviously made public until, until quite late on because they rightly are very private in what they do. Um, so to know that they've had Poppy and she's healthy and, and he's had this whole new chapter of his life unfold and, and begin, um, part of me doesn't want to lump any expectation on him because I know we all know what it's like those newborn days at home. I'm sure he hasn't had very good night's sleep. I'm sure, um, you know, he's been up every three hours and worried and, and checking on, on their baby. But at the same time, like he alluded to at the tour championship, he also felt like he had a bit of weight lifted off his shoulders, didn't he? Because he was so anxious perhaps in the build up to, um, her arrival that everything was going to go. Okay. And I just think it's interesting now we can sit back and have the perspective to look at the Rory McIlroy that we've seen the last few months because we all know how good he was before before COVID shut down the tour and he'd failed to finish outside of the top 10 um, in recent memory and then he came back from from um, the lockdown if you will or when the PGA Tour restarted and struggled to find a top 10 and I think there was a few factors involved in that one of what one of which was the lack of fans and he is the sort of guy that is obviously normally a fan favorite and she is, yeah. the energy of the crowd and, you know, omitted um, in true um, Rory fashion. He's always been so honest, which is, I think, what a lot of people appreciate about him, that he struggled with that. Um, and then also something that we weren't necessarily all aware of at the time was that he knew that they were building up to the birth of their first child, which is obviously massively momentous time in your life. And um, who knows when it was going to happen amongst the Tour Championship. Obviously, there could have been a Ryder Cup coming up and it all worked out perfectly. So I think, and then kind of incredible to see him obviously yeah, turn up and shoot that 64 at East Lake. And it just shows what um, a clear mind, I suppose, or maybe a few days with, without touching the clubs does for you. But then it didn't, as we know, continue that way through the weekend. So um, I'm just happy for him on a personal level. And I, I know that winning, obviously, the major would be incredible he's of course won the u.s open before when it was traditionally on father's day and his dad jerry was there so to do it now probably for poppy would be would be incredible but i also know from watching tennis all these years that serena williams has been trying to win her first grandson since being, becoming a mother for years now and the pressure keeps mounting and she's also trying to become the you know most winningest uh, grand slam champion of all time so I don't know if it adds pressure or not to him or if he will come out and, and free will this and, and bring his best form to Wingfoot. Yes. Well, speaking of best form to Wingfoot, 
who is a player that when you look at, at the list of, of these favorites or maybe uh, dark horses, who, who really stands out to you this week? You know, I like Xander Shoffley. I don't know why. I'm keeping my eye on him as a, as a kind of a first-time major contender. Um, he's got the discipline, I think, that's going to be required, um, the, the mental patience to, to work your way around uh, winged foot. It's hard to look past some of the favorites. I mean, you know, Dustin Johnson is playing incredible golf right now. He's the world number one. He knows what it takes to win a U.S. Open. We haven't seen a lot of Webb Simpson. He obviously took the BMW championship off some people uh, like his chances because of his style uh, around this golf course I just think you've got to be a strong not only has your game got to be on point but you've got to have the mental fortitude to deal with a typical U.S. Open right we know what what you're going to be handed with a typical U.S. Open so those are some of the favorites um in my mind that I'm keeping an eye on but um Tommy Fleetwood has just had a good week in Portugal, come over from Europe, decided to tune up over there. He always plays pretty well um, at the US Open. We know what he did at Shinnecock. So I will be watching, um, I suppose, uh, with excitement like everyone else to see how it all pans out. Yes, yes. A big major, the second major of the year now. I'm going to do rapid fire with you briefly here. Uh, what's your favorite TV show that you and Ollie get to watch here? Netflix or Amazon? Billions. We're really into billions right now. And it's based up in Connecticut, so we've kind of enjoyed that um, look around. But we have watched, we've got really into watching series since uh, COVID struck. So we watch a few episodes every night. We've been through loads recently, but billions is the current one. In your life, Cara, um, of all the sporting events you've ever attended that was not related to golf, which one really stands out the most? I covered the London 2012 Olympics um, I, and I did the tennis, which funnily enough was hosted at Wimbledon. Um, but it was incredible to see Wimbledon, which is sort of the masters of the tennis world, um, not, in, not in true Wimbledon colours, if you will. It was taken over by um, Olympics and uh, different colour themes and obviously different protocols. But it was incredible to be able to be part of something that was so huge in my hometown um, and I, I'll never forget that. But Cara, when you're at the gym and listening to music on the iPod what, or iPhone, what really stands out? Who's, an, who's a musician or artist? Oh, I, I was just telling Brandle about this band the other day, actually. I love Bastille. They're um, a great band. We saw them actually in a, in a live concert in an amphitheater in St. Augustine on the way up to the players a few years ago. Um, so have a listen. They're Bastille, they're English, and um, they're, you know, kind of that kind of Mumford and Sons vibe, but um, I highly recommend them. Favorite all-time movie that you've watched? Oh. Oh, you'll probably laugh at me. Um, my Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> wow. You weren't I was, expecting that, were you? I, I don't know. I was thinking like a sense of sensibility, maybe an Emma, maybe something Jane Austen related. To I go love with your roots, Julia Roberts. Cara. I love Julia Roberts. I don't know if it's my favorite all the time, but I love it. I'll never forget. I just, love, yeah, I, re I remember the day I was taken to the movie theater to see it, and I love it. Mm. Great stuff. Cara, always enjoy spending time with you, and thanks for coming on Beyond the Clubhouse with me during this U.S. Open week, a busy week for you. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week for me, you know, and I'm so excited that obviously um, for, for the NBC family, it's been a, it's been a great change because um, we're back at covering a US Open. Dan Hicks, personally, it's going to be an awesome week for because uh, he's a member here at Winged Foot and we're going to be part of a ton of coverage. We're launching 
Peacock and there's going to be live US Open available only on Peacock and we're going to have live from coverage from 6am from Thursday so it's going to be a busy week but um, we're excited to bring it to everyone and um, yeah let's hope we have a, a good championship. And also with this, you can follow Cara on Twitter. She's great, active on Twitter. Not as active as she used to be, but at Cara Banks GC. And understandably, you got Jesse in your arm, so you gotta you gotta prioritize these days. Well, right? you gotta keep an eye on me on Instagram as well. I try and um, do both a little bit separately, and they're both the same handle. So yes, I will. I'll try and get more active for you, Garrett. I'll do my best. <laughs> great stuff, Cara. Always enjoy it, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Anytime. All right, my thanks to Cara Banks from the Golf Channel joining me here. And as you know, as you probably gathered from her, just a very sweet person. Just has a great um, sense of humor, but a great personality. She's just a, a very relatable person. And I think that she talked about with her interviewing style, like she just wants to be herself. She just wants to relate to these players. And she does such a fine job. And I've seen her at major championships, very disarming with these players. They trust her. And you know what? We see her on the desks at uh, Golf Channel, and she does a great job there. But do understand this. She is a reporter true and true as well, and she's got such a rapport with the best players in this game. Um, nothing but kudos for Cara. She's a great person. So hope you enjoyed it. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnston Garrett. Follow her on Twitter, as she mentioned, at Cara Banks GC on Instagram as well. You can follow me on Instagram at Garrett Johnston Golf. And, of course, Facebook, Garrett Johnston, and Beyond the Clubhouse page on Facebook as well. So many good storylines. I'm sure we're going to get out of this U.S. Open. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And thanks again for joining me on Beyond the Clubhouse. <laughs>